his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Buffalo Means Business on News Radio 930 WBEN. I'm Randy Bushover. The program highlights local businesses and services in the region. And if there's a local business or service you'd like to hear from, send me an email at randy.bushover at intercom.com. With me in for this segment, Dr. David Matasati with Eye Care and Vision Associates. And whereabouts are you guys located? We're, uh, we have four offices throughout western New York. We have one in the North Towns uh, in Niagara Falls on Plaza Boulevard, one in the South Towns on uh, Southwestern. There's one in Williamsville close by to our studio office here today on Maple. And then we have one downtown uh, on Elmwood. And right off the bat, it's probably important to get some of the terminology down here. There actually is a difference between an ophthalmologist, an optometrist, and an optician, correct? Yeah, well said. Which one are you, first of all? Well, first, I'm an ophthalmologist. And and, uh, you're right, in in any field of medicine, you need different areas of coordinated care. But I think none more so than in, in the eye care. We're all a team looking to get everyone to see better. But we divide ourselves up into the ophthalmologists who are the surgeons. So we're those that will take care of the pathology of the eyeball, perform surgery such as cataract surgery or glaucoma surgery or laser surgery when needed. The uh, optometrists also care in the pathology of the eyeball, but in a non-surgical way. They'll prescribe glasses and and correct surface disease, uh, such as dry eyes or uh, infectious um, conjunctivitis, et cetera. And opticians will take the prescriptions given to them by the optometrist and fit the patient with glasses or contact lenses or other refractive medium. And it's very important to have an eye exam how many times a year? So, so it, it varies. The National Academy of Ophthalmology recommends at age 65 and older one eye exam per year uh, if everything is going well. But certainly that doesn't hold if there, things aren't going well. So if a person has an eye problem or a, a change in their vision or any complaint or a gut feeling that something's not right, sooner than that. But back to your original point, we recommend once per year after age 65 and maybe once every other year before that. And uh, we talked about this off air. We'll bring it on air as well that I'm diabetic, and that's one of the areas where people really have to have some concerns and be extra careful about making sure those appointments are maybe a little bit more frequent than once a year, maybe at least twice a year, in in my case, uh, so they say, just to keep track of what's going on back there. Absolutely. You know, diabetes is a disease that can affect many parts of the body, you know, from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes, neuropathy, etc. But one of the areas is the eyeball. And uh, the small vessels in the back of the eyeball can get affected or even change or even rupture uh, from a poorly controlled sugar state in the body, such as diabetes. So it's important to get a good look at least once a year. Many of the changes in the eyeball from diabetes are correctable, reversible even, if we get to them early enough. So at the minimum, once a year, again, if all's well, and more often than that, if things aren't. And a couple of things that people are a little bit more aware of are cataracts and glaucoma. Let's kind of break them down uh, individually. Uh, people may know the word, but what exactly are cataracts? Yeah, good point. So every eyeball has a lens inside it, and that lens is part of the focusing power of the eyeball. So if a light comes into the eyeball, it gets focused somewhat by the cornea, and then again by the lens. If you think of the lens as a, an M&M candy, sort of that size and shape, but clear, has a clear coating shell and clear chocolate on the inside, and that's sitting upright just behind our pupil. 
So when the light comes into the eyeball, it hits that lens and focuses directly on the retina and everybody's happy. Well, that works, except that in uh, humans, our lens is always growing. We're always making new cells inside that lens. But the cells, the old cells, can't escape outside the candy-coating shell. So they get sort of shuttled toward the center, and they die out. When they die, not, die out, the proteins denature, and they kind of turn yellow and hazy. So now that clear M&M candy we had back there focusing light starts to turn yellow, and then a little cloudy, and a little hazier. And so it becomes what we call a cataract. The original term of a cataract was a waterfall. You know, the definition, by definition, is a waterfall. One might say, well, how does that fit in the eyeball? Well, when cataracts first uh, sort of came up in medicine in about 2,000 years ago, the, uh, the interpretation of the patient who had the cataract was that your vision was decreasing such like a waterfall was coming down over your vision. And that's how it kind of stuck, the word cataract. So, so once a person develops a cataract and has difficulty with their vision, remember, we all get cataracts. That lens is always going to become cloudy as we get older. But when it really affects your vision, such that your visual acuity is down or your night driving is, is more difficult or just having trouble, then we talk about removing the cataract. And that's a surgical procedure, albeit a quick one, but a surgical procedure by which we remove the lens, the cloudy yellow lens that's in there, and replace it with a clear acrylic lens, uh, which lasts essentially forever. Ah, and uh, this is something that wasn't done in the past, uh, was it? Or, or, or is that how it's always been corrected? Well, the, the recent past, it's been done this way. But, but now, I'd say over the last 20 years, we have uh, small incision uh, cataract surgery. Where we make just micro incisions in the side of the eyeball. It's done mostly with sound waves or even laser-assisted sound waves, uh, such that we can remove the cataract in about five minutes now and replace it with uh, different types of lenses for different visual correction. But to answer your original question, certainly 100 years ago, we didn't have this technology. Uh, and we go back 1,000 years, we were doing something called blotting, uh, which I may tell you about later. Ah, gotcha. Now, uh, moving on to glaucoma, which we brought up. Uh, how does that differ from cataracts? Uh, because it's obviously something that impacts the vision. Uh, hence, it's something in the eye that's something that you can correct, right? That, that is correct. So, so we can't uh, recover lost vision from glaucoma, but we can prevent it from getting worse, and, and that's important. Glaucoma is one of those rare diseases which can create a total blindness state where everything goes black. Cataracts and the other things we've talked about generally make things fuzzy and not so clear and they're reversible and we can fix that. Glaucoma can be devastating. Now, it's rare to be devastating, but it can be. And what it is essentially is a pressure inside the eyeball that's greater than the threshold for damage to the optic nerve. So think of it like this. The eyeball's a, a round ball that sits in the orbit and absorbs light, and it sends the information that it receives, that it, light that it absorbed, through the optic nerve back to the brain. If the pressure in the eyeball gets great enough to damage that cord that carries the information back to the brain, then we can no longer see. You, know, you buy a brand new uh, fan, you plug it in, it works great. Somebody cuts that cord, I don't care how good that fan is, it's not going to work anymore because, uh, because the cord is cut. Same idea with glaucoma. Speaking with Dr. David Montesani with the Eye Care and Vision Associates here in uh, Buffalo and Western New York. And another area of concern, macular degeneration. Now, just the name of it sounds ominous. It sure does, and the disease itself is equally as ominous. Uh, unlike glaucoma that we talked about, which we can prevent with good control and lowering the pressure, macular degeneration is a difficult thing to, to not only prevent but certainly to treat. What that involves is a change or damage to the part of the retina that we use to see straight ahead. So if we're going to read something, the light that falls into our eyeball uh, from the object we're looking to read lands on a part of the retina called the macula. It's a place. 
Well, over time, with age and with oxidative damage, the cells beneath the retina, the RPE cells, those can die out. And if they do, the retina overlying those cells can no longer be fed with nutrients and oxygen like it needs, and it starts to atrophy. That atrophy destroys those photoreceptors, those retinal cells in the macula, such that we can't see in that spot. So macular degeneration can be a slow loss of your central vision that we really virtually can't prevent and, and uh, can't treat. One of the uh, things just in general I was uh, curious about, uh, genetics have uh, everything to do with whether or not you maintain good vision throughout your life? Well, not everything, but, but a good point. You know, uh, segue into something else. If, if you find somebody lived to be 100 years old, the first question you should ask him is, how old did your parents live? Because irrespective of how well they lived their life, the most uh, highly correlative thing into longevity is how long did your parents live? What genetic makeup do you have? It works the same way with the eyeballs. We have blue eyes or green eyes or brown eyes, essentially because that's what our parents' genetic pool was. So in eye health and in the, the disease of glaucoma that we talked about before, there's a direct correlation with what your parents' genes were and what the genes you have when you combine them. So things like glaucoma are passed along chromosome number one through family trees. So it's important for us to know during the eye exams what the family history is of the patient so we can better treat or better focus our care on what diseases they might have down the road. And a lot of people know nearsighted, farsighted, the two main reasons that people need glasses. Correct. Uh, just a, a simplified version of both for those who don't understand. It's, it's, it's kind of like they're the the opposites of what they actually say they are, right? Yeah, yeah it sounds that way. So, so in, in, in ophthalmology, there's no true nearsighted, farsighted, but I know what you mean exactly. So, so when we say someone is nearsighted, that means they can see near better than they can see far. And then vice versa, when we say they're farsighted, that means they can see far objects better than they can see near ones. But that's an oversimplification. The way we see and, and the reason we need glasses medically is, is to correct the refractive error. In English, it means so we see better. A simple way to look at it, maybe, or maybe not so simple, is that if we think an object beyond five feet is at distance, well, then the light that enters our eyeball from that beyond five feet, the light waves come in parallel to each other. All right, well, what does that mean? Well, it means the waves aren't divergent or convergent. They're coming in parallel. The curvature of our eyeball, that central front structure called the cornea, starts to curve those parallel rays of light when it hits our eyeball. And then the lens we talked about earlier curves the parallel rays of light again so that they focus directly on the retina. Well, if the curvature of the cornea or the power of the lens is too strong and that light gets focused before it hits the retina, then we'll get a blur image. Well, we call that nearsightedness. We can correct that by putting minus power lenses putting lenses in glasses in front of our eyeballs that diverge the light so that the new focus point, instead of being somewhere in the middle of our eyeball, is pushed back to the retina. If we know the curvature of your cornea and how long your eyeball is front to back, we can then predict what glasses power you need to correct nearsightedness. And it's just the opposite for farsightedness. And it's just fascinating how much that we've learned about the eyes and still can learn about the eyes and, 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 and eye care in general. Uh, some things that people may not know uh, are like the I, – I, I tried to f figure this out when I just had my own eye exam. The, the, the blood pressure versus pressure in the eye, not exactly related, right? When they do that little puff test, they're always checking for pressure. Th that's correct. That, the, the disease of glaucoma we talked about before, the, the best predictor that we have outside of family history is what the eye pressure is. And so to answer your point, you're right. Blood pressure and eye pressure are mutually independent. Uh, there, is, it, there is some 
relationship, I guess, when you talk about episcleral venous pressure, the pressure in the veins coming back from the eyeball. But really, it does not correlate that if you have high blood pressure, you'll necessarily have high, pressure, high eye pressure, and vice versa. If you have high eye pressure, it's not necessarily true that you'd have high blood pressure. But it's the pressure in that eyeball that gives us that risk for glaucoma. We run a pressure normal between 10 and 20 millimeters of mercury. But it doesn't mean if you're outside that you're abnormal. It just means that if you're at risk for glaucoma and your pressure is higher than we think the threshold should be, we lower that eye pressure with eye drops. As a correlative, if your blood pressure is too high or higher than we think it should be, we lower your blood pressure with pills to decrease your risk for things like uh, stroke and heart attack. And what about dry eyes? Is that uh, a major problem for a lot of people? Yeah, I think that's the, the single largest diagnosis in all of ophthalmology now is dry eyes. And it's, a, it's not a single condition. It's not a, you have dry eyes and you don't. It varies. It's a scale. And we have some people with mild dry eyes and moderate and severe and things called Jogren syndrome. But they all amount to the same principle. The tear film that you make, your minute-to-minute tear film, you make baseline. I don't mean the tears you make when you're crying at sad movies or cutting onions, but I mean those baseline tears you make minute-to-minute. Those tears aren't adequate to cover the surface, that cornea of the eyeball, uh, between each blink. If we blink every 8 to 10 seconds, let's say, but the tear film evaporates in 6 seconds, then theoretically, between every blink, there's 2 seconds we don't have adequate tear coverage of the eyeball. Over several hours of the length of the day, that can become irritating and fatiguing and feel like you have sand or grit in your eye. I've got the same thing. I use my little teardrops uh, just about every day. Literally our windows to the world and a very important part of the human body, that's for sure. And thank you very much for all the uh, descriptions on everything that uh, goes into the eyes here. <laughs> thank you, Randy. Thank you for having and- me. How can people get a hold of you at Eye Care and Vision Associates? Sure. So we have a, a large practice with four main offices throughout Western New York. And if you need anything, questions answered or, or anything, you don't hesitate to call us. It's very friendly people who answer the phone. And we, I, my, myself, I'd be happy to talk to anybody about anything you need. We have uh, a phone number. It's uh, 631-EYES or 631-8888, which is pretty easy to remember, even for me. And uh, give us a call. Again, we're happy to talk to you uh, at any point. Perfect. Doctor, thank you very much again. Thank you for having me. Dr. David Modasani with Eye Care and Vision Associates. This is Buffalo Means Business on News Radio 930 WBEN. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams. Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. Will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.